Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, another outtake episode, vintage discussion with Mike Moynihan. I was over at his house, and the thanks sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comsey.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Had a good uh, time with uh, Mike over there and Matt, who was filming for his baseball collector YouTube channel and perhaps his Golden Age podcast. These are some polls that I made from it that I hope you'll enjoy. As always, I hardly recommend you go to Mike's channels, but this is just a little something for uh, my listeners. So thanks, everybody, and thanks especially Mike and Matt. Paige has not gotten the same Jackie Robinson treatment, but he's right behind. I think it's not far. It's coming. Especially Banks has gotten a good bump yep. in the last year and a half, too. All of those. Oh, Aaron, that's just a bunch of great stuff. And you like 54 Bowman Man. My least favorites. I like it. I wouldn't say it's my favorite. I love 56 tops. Of course. That's my. That's in there somewhere in that stack. But my 56 tops is also only a two. I say only a two. I'm not down talking my card. I just, at the time, that's what I could afford. And I have no interest in getting another one because I'm like, I love that one. Why would I get another one? No, but it, why would you get another one that the price to value ratio is not there? Not there, probably. And that's money I could spend on a card I don't exactly. have at all. Yeah. It's not buy the best. It's to get the best collection you can afford. Unless you want to have one card. If your collection is one card, then fine. But if you want to collect Aaron, you can either spend all the money that you have for an eight or a nine. Or you can get a three. It's a three. Three. It's a good card. Now, are you going around <laughs> looking for the best of the threes? Or are you just looking for a good card for the grade? So when I or bought, are you just opportunistic for? You maybe bought I think it wrong. All of the above. Know. No, I bought it graded. That I bought at the eighteen national. Okay. I went. That was the card I want. An Aaron rookie. This is what I want. I thought he's getting up there. Never a bad time mm-hmm. to buy an Aaron rookie. So I said that's what I'm going to go for. This was pre-show on Wednesday. Yeah. I was able to get in, and I looked at a hundred or so graded anywhere okay. from twos to fours because okay. I also had a budget on okay. the card. Okay. So it it was this combination of where can I get the most card the best card for that money okay whether it's a three or a four i saw fours that were cheaper than the three i bought that were off center a little bit or snow on the face or something and i went that's the best card for the amount of money that i was wanting to spend on that card my budget was a range i guess it wasn't like a hard number but at the same time you can't spend you only spend it once i guess you could spend it and flip it and do something else that brings about the concept of going to the national to buy cards in the early nationals, it, it wasn't necessarily – you weren't going to buy cards like that because there weren't that many to pick from. And it wasn't perceived that the national was going to be where you'd get a bargain. It was perceived that people were going to bring some good stuff. You were going to get a chance to get something you wouldn't get. But you'd get a more of a bargain at a smaller show where you might stumble onto something like that. You're finding deals at the national. But you got to really look. relative, right? It's because all some of the things are priced – Crazy on Wednesday. They're crazy. Anticipating crazy people coming to pay crazy prices. I love and to brag about the crazy prices they just paid. For sure, which I don't get at all. But when I go to the national teen, when I was a kid, whatever, it was all just to go to look at the cards. You didn't go eighty six or ninety to Arlington Wednesday. I went to ninety. Arlington. That was the first national I ever went to. Yeah. But I now like twenty twenty one this year. I bought a lot of cards, but I know a lot more people in the hobby and have more friends. And it's become a lot more social. Antisocial not to buy cards from your friends? Is it obligatory? It's certainly not obligatory. But I'm just saying, if you just say, hey, we're good buddies, but 
you never buy anything from me, Mike. You're buying from this other guy. Why aren't you buying from me? Is What's that funny is my friends are not or dealers. Okay. They are other collectors. Okay. So I don't have that conflict of interest, yeah. that tension that might arise from that. With my friends, I can go, hey, I'll, I'll see you later. I'm going to go. Yeah walk around. I want to go look for some cards. But the social part has taken up more. Of yeah. Floor time is valuable time, in my opinion, yeah. at the National. There's only so much of it. And so I try to make the most of it. Although the social part of it's added so yeah. much more to the experience. Wow. But you like autographs. I, I used to be more into My card collection's pretty good, but... No, you've got great stuff my, uh, all the way around. My autograph collection is... Uh, okay. I'm pretty proud of that, actually. Heck, I'm proud of all of it. So yeah, it just goes chronologically. Yeah, but this literally. other stuff, is that a large format, larger card? So these are all autographed slabs. Oh, okay. Larger format. Press deals are... Mm-hmm. Well, press deals are all in this drawer. These are all press deals. Yeah, see, I have a problem so, with how to display. I have to have two walls. Either. One is a smaller wall of that size, or the, the BGS version of... But you get oh, a, the slab. Yeah. The, you get a non-collector and you go... Frank Baker. Who the heck is Frank Baker? And Run only Baker. collectors know who Frank, Frank Homer Baker is. Yeah. So it's different to have people that know and people that don't know come and look at your collection. They have a totally different perspective. You've given a lot of money to PSA. Mm, no. Bought most of them. Or somebody else has. Mm-hmm. Almost all of the stuff I buy is already slabbed. Nowadays, when they're charging according to what it's worth... It's built in. Tell me how that makes any bloody sense. What? Explain that to me. No, it's, uh, they can get away with it. They're the market leader. They have pricing power. Every industry, there's a market leader. And if they decommoditize their product, that it's not just a graded card. It's a PSA graded card. They're in a good position. Now, some things are not forever. A lot of these huge cards that are modern have gone to BGS. I mean, it's no big secret. There's a huge differential. And what it costs. Even a, a speeded up service at BGS, way cheaper. Or SGC, for that matter. Yeah. yeah. But what, okay, you say they have pricing power. I get that. And I'm an economist, by the way. That's my background. I'm a financial planner. So I think money and I think economies of scale, all these things. And I go, okay, here's the question then. Is it the same process to grade a 52 tops mantle and a 2021 Vladimir Guerrero junior card? Is it the same? Do they go through the same process? You're, you're making the wrong comparison. Okay, tell the me. Comparison please help me is understand. not comparing this modern card to the old card. It's comparing the old valuable card graded by PSA to the old valuable card graded by anybody else. That's the comparison. And PSA has an aftermarket differential. For sure. That is enough that they can get away with charging more to get it graded. Because a PSA 3 is better than a SGC 4, maybe even a 5 sometimes. Okay. okay. And so that's the comparison. It's not that it takes more time. It's because the alternative for that card is to take it somewhere else. It's not that, oh, what if it was this kind of card? It's, I have this card, where am I going to take it? And people have decided that it's worth it right now. They perceive that it's worth it to go to PSA, pay the bucks to get it graded. Okay. There's no fallacy in your argument. It's just PSA could just, that's sorry, but... We're putting our price. Until people stop coming to us, why would we lower our price? Why would we even change our pricing structure? With upcharging and, With upcharging and charging for, based on the value of charging the Charging based on the value. And, but when we started that, I was the holdout. Because I, I think people say, look what they're getting for this. And no, we want to be the popular choice for collectors and dealers. We want to charge based on turnaround time and volume 
and we're going to have a satisfaction guaranteed on turnaround, which we did. We're going to have a report card. We're going to do all these things that added cost. But looking back after 20-something years, people have said, you know what? I think PSA is going to do better in the aftermarket, so I'm going to pay that upcharge. But that may not always be the case, but right. it is right now. What benefit, and I asked this of Peter Steinberg. I sent him an email at SGC, and his answer was, I have no idea. Right now, there's obviously a clog, a backlog of cards at PSA. What would compel them not to release and be transparent about how far they are behind? Are they 2 million cards still behind? Are they eight? This is even maybe at the yeah, beginning. No, Why wouldn't they it. disclose that? Because they want to preserve mystique. Okay. If you're the market leader, you don't have to disclose those things. You don't have to tell your competitors, here's how far we are ahead of you. There's no incentive for them to do that, to be nice guys, because in a hobby that's unregulated, where there's already exaggerations, they might not even necessarily believe it, unless they open the doors, come observe. I just don't think they, they have no reason they, to do no that. There's no real incentive to do that. Right. The mystique works to their advantage. Yeah. The fact that they have such a big backlog, they can't even count them. They have so many packages, they can't even open them. That's part of the mystique, telling it exactly like it is. That's not, you know. Not necessarily necessary. And well, that's may, fair. That's a fair not, answer. It may not even be good for them. I was just curious. We got scammed, I'm convinced. And it's been 17 years or so. Okay. I'm still running the company. We had a guy send us a 52 mantle to get graded. And then he claimed that he never got it back or that it was lost, that we got it. Somehow there was some mysterious disappearance. It wasn't one of our guys. And we had cameras at that point and all that stuff. And this guy got an attorney and we wound up. Settling, Settling yeah. okay, because you just have to. And we got the FedEx involved. So there was something where we just couldn't trace it, but it sure smelled. I knew my guys. I didn't know this guy. Nobody knew this guy. It's a one single submission of one card. I didn't even know that was authentic. Anyway, I don't know if we ever even saw the card, but somehow we're claimed to have lost this card. Our insurance company, I don't remember what happened, but I stroked a check. Now I'm thinking I stroked a check for probably $15,000. You fast forward all these years, it, it would have been 10 Multiple or 100 times that, that. Right? I don't know. But it's, it still ticks me off. So that's an argument for why PSA would charge more for having a better card just even in their building. There's a lot of liability because that there. was that would have covered oh, our other guarantee of on time or it's free. That's labor. We're guaranteeing labor and some uh, materials. Which we would have spent anyway. So, yeah, that still ticks me off. Those are the things that bug me, but it wasn't my guys, many of whom are still there.